This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Welcome to the show. In the Daily Hampshire Gazette of Friday, January 13th, front page, this news article. McGovern Amherst, a reparations role model. I'm going to share a couple of sentences of that piece by Scott Mertzbach with you. At the subhead, Congressman hopes work done locally will push federal government to create commission to study issue. Whatever model Amherst creates for offering reparations to black and African heritage residents could set an example for other cities and towns, states, and the federal government, according to U.S. Representative Jim McGovern. The article then goes on to describe McGovern's participation in the virtual African Heritage Reparations Assembly listening session, which occurred in Washington, D.C. The structural and systemic impacts of slavery, said McGovern, are undeniable. The disproportionate number of black people who have experienced housing discrimination, school segregation, health disparities, and mass incarceration is a symptom of this legacy. It is true, Amherst has gotten quite a bit of coverage for its addressing the issue of reparations. What has gotten less coverage that I would like to turn to today is the way in which Northampton is beginning to address the question of reparations. And with us to discuss that, we have John Berkowitz of Northampton, who is a member of the Northampton Reparations Committee, a longtime social activist. You may remember his name. He was the longtime former former director of Death with Dignity. We also have with us a longtime social activist now from East Hampton, Sarah Weinberger, also a member of the Northampton Reparations Committee. So let me start with you, if I might, Sarah. Welcome back to the show, both of you. I'd Thanks, like Bill. to. I would like to know this. Um, Northampton has not gotten, or what are the efforts in Northampton around reparations has not gotten as much publicity as the efforts in Amherst. I think they are congruent and consistent and are helpful to each other. I'd like to know where the uh, issue of reparations in Northampton stands. So let's have a bit of history and then we'll bring bring it up to date and we'll see what reparations, the Northampton Reparations Committee is doing and what is next. But give us a bit of the at least recent history of this in the city, please, Sarah. Okay, so um, we started about two years ago. I think it was actually two years ago in February. Um, it was, I contacted my buddy, Tom Weiner. Um, who's also another local activist in town. And I began to wonder about, as everything was happening in Amherst, why not Northampton? Um, and in, in my own life, my daughter had then recently said to me, um, I had asked her if she was thinking of moving back when she got her MSW at Simmons, if she was moving, thinking of moving back to Northampton, and she said, Mom, I don't want to move back to white Northampton. I don't want to raise a family in an all-white community. And so I thought about that more and more, and I had also taken a course called the Stolen Beam Series that was offered by people, by Rabbi Devorah Jacobson and um, her colleagues at the Jewish community of Amherst that really kind of gave the history and made the case for why reparations are necessary everywhere. Um, and I began to wonder, as I said, why are there so few blacks in Northampton? And I had a conversation about that with Tom Weiner, and we decided, I said, what about Northampton? We should be doing some, if, if Amherst is doing something, we should be doing something. And so two years ago, we assembled a small group of people. John was one of those people who's sitting next to me. And we began to talk about what we can do, starting with a petition that we drafted that now has over 900 signatures, not all of them local, but um, it, it's been widely circulated. And what we decided to ask for um, in our petition and also in the resolution that followed was a commission. We wanted city council and the mayor to appoint a commission similar to what's going on at the federal level to study our history, our history as a city, 
in the context of the United States. And based on what we learn about not just slavery, but what followed after slavery as well, um, decide whether there was a case for reparations and to propose, and, and this would be a commission that would be 50% composed of 50% black people and 50% other people. And after doing the research, bringing a proposal to the city council for reparations. Let me ask you this. Is Amherst serving as a model? And what about uh, Evanston, Illinois, which was the subject, of course, of a, a piece, uh, I think, the night before last uh, yes. on PBS? Are, are these models that are uh, signs or road signs uh, to help in Northampton? Or are we doing something different? Let me turn over to John Berkowitz, a member of the Northampton Reparations Committee. John? Uh, we were definitely <clears throat> inspired by what Amherst set out to do. In fact, we were so inspired that in this, just after a couple of months of meeting, we had the two leaders of the campaign in Amherst, Michelle Miller and, oh, I can't think of his last name, but its first one is Matthew. <laughs> they came and spoke to us, and it was very inspiring to hear of their efforts. It's kind of like your big brother or big sister, you know, coming to tell you what, you know, here's what we've been doing and, you know, mentoring us. So that was great. And Evanston, Illinois, as you mentioned, Bill, had already just passed, well, I think that was in the spring of 2021, yeah, just about when we started. They they passed the first municipal ordinance, I believe, first municipal, municipal reparations policy, Evanston, Illinois. And uh, it's been growing ever since. I was even surprised myself to find there are now uh, nine American cities. I thought it was just four, Evanston, Asheville, North Carolina. But lo and behold, recently I learned St. Petersburg, Florida, St. Louis, Missouri, Wilmington, Delaware, uh, Boston, has, and Providence, Rhode Island has been in the papers recently. So if we passed it here, a resolution to set up a commission to study the historical harms, we become the ninth American city. In the article in the Gazette, uh, Congressman McGovern is, is quoted as saying this. McGovern praised the thoughtful process in Amherst to identify needs of communities of color and what the right responses are. That reflects participation of a diverse community and could lead to concepts such as housing vouchers, financial literacy classes, youth programs, or cash payments. Do you have an agenda or an end uh, result or the goal for what reparations would look like in Northampton? Sarah Weinberger? We are, as a committee, are not the people who will make those recommendations. It's the commission that we are asking for. We want those recommendations to come from local people with the voices of local black people, um, local people who will talk to on a commission who will talk to other members of the black community in Northampton and get a sense of what reparations should look like. Even though it's happening in many, many communities, we have a unique community. And so we want to propose, not, not us as a committee, but we want the commission to hopefully propose a plan that reflects the needs of black people in Northampton who qualify for reparations. So what you're asking for, I take it, is that the city council pass an ordinance or a resolution. I'd like to know which one. A resolution. And a resolution. And then that resolution, in turn, would ask the mayor to appoint a commission. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Right. And that commission would have the responsibility of determining or recommending uh action items uh, to the council, assuming it would involve money if one thing or another, and therefore would be, have to be part of the city budget. All of that would be within the purview of the commission? Exactly. Okay. So in terms of your... No, I want to go back a sec. Where does that stand? What's, what's, happen, what's next on the agenda for the Northampton Reparations uh, Committee? Um, <clears throat> I think it might be good actually to go back and uh, back up to your original question because one of the very first things we did in the summer of 2021 
is to reach out to the black community of Northampton as best we could. And that basically meant uh, all of our connections, anybody that knew an African-American person in town or was recommended, you know, we, we must reach out to 30, 35 people in the space of, and met with uh, two of us usually meet with one of them or one and one. We had meetings. How do you feel? What are your thoughts? We, we're seeking your guidance. Is there? Let me ask you this. Is there a institution in Northampton, uh, a committee, a commission, a club, a group, an organization uh, of uh, African-American descendants here in Northampton, or d- does that not exist? Not one that we found. And um, We being your small group of yeah, we should do something yeah. about reparations. African-Americans represent 2.1% of the population in Northampton. That's all? That's it. That's it. Which is a a fraction. I mean, Namorous is a much higher uh, representation of communities of color. Exactly. And we spoke with lots of different people. Um, Honestly, I did not know hardly any African-Americans in Northampton at the time we started. And so we used word of mouth, um, and what we learned was there really wasn't an organized place for community um, among the black community in Northampton. I, I would just yes, add John. to that, that um, <clears throat> there were four or five meetings by Zoom uh, uh, consisting entirely, not even with our committee members, uh, the black community that we identified uh, and reached out to <clears throat> came together uh, four or five times with as many as 20, 25 people at some of those meetings and connected with one another and basically established, first of all, we are so glad to find and meet each other because we've, we're all busy with our lives, you know, making a living and everything. And But yes, there is no organizational, you know, for African Americans in the town. They were really pleased to be talking with one another and offering us their uh, guidance and uh, ideas. And, about. and that's one of the reasons why it's going to be so important that this commission reach out to the other black people who are living in Northampton, because we only connected with a small number. Um, and they were probably mostly not completely a more educated group with college degrees, professionals, and we want to reach everybody. We want to hear from everybody. In the Gazette article, I want to quote another two paragraphs, if I might. Longtime resident Carly Tartikoff said she is interested in examining what is hurting people of black and African descent and making sure they can have better lives. Quote, unless we change the systems in place that have created the inequities that we face, nothing is going to change, Tartikoff says. Carly Tartikoff, of course, is one of the two uh, segment host for Black in the Valley here on this show on WHMP. And then the next art- the next part of the article is quoting Jacqueline Smith-Crooks, the other co-host of Black in the Valley. And this is what the Gazette says. Jacqueline Smith-Crooks said she came to Amherst initially in the 1960s from Macon, Georgia, and then set up a haven for black women in town when she returned in the 1980s. Quote, our survival depended on our being complicit In the whole effort to maintain oppression, Smith Crooks said of her initial work in town, but the reparations assembly, which we'll come back to in just a moment, has given her renewed optimism. Quote, I go away feeling rejuvenated, revived, and centered again because the visibility is acknowledged and we don't have to be silent. We don't have to tiptoe through the tulips. We're going to take a quick break now. We're going to come back and continue our conversation with John Berkowitz and Sarah Weinberger of the Northampton Reparations Committee right after this. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Authorization, enrollment, and activation activities are required. Receive all services. Contact institution for details. Two lattes, please. On me. Yeah? My free Casasa cash back checking account surprised me with sweet cash rewards. So thoughtful. Casasa cash back simply appreciates me. It also refunds my ATM withdrawal fees. Huh. My mega bank account just takes money out every month without even asking. Sounds like it's time to move on. Take back the special treatment you deserve with Casasa cash back. Ask for Casasa by name at Franklin First or online at franklinfirst.org. Federally insured by NCU. There's the Sauvignon Blanc side and the salami sandwich side, the brick and feather beer side and the broccoli side, the deli side and the Don Julio side. State Street in Northampton has two sides, grocery on one side, beer, wines and spirits on the other. Cooper's Corner in Florence has two sides, grocery on one side, 
beer, wines, and spirits in the other. But the nice thing about State Street and Cooper's, you don't have to pick a side. You can choose both sides at both stores. The world feels so divided sometimes. For once, don't choose sides. Go to both sides at both stores. State Street Fruit Store Deli Wines and Spirits in Northampton and Cooper's Corner on the other side of Northampton in Florence. Two sides, same coin. They say that the one constant in life is change, and while that might be true for most things, one thing that hasn't changed is the great meal and great time you're always going to have at Roberto's in downtown Northampton. Stop by six nights a week to dine in, hang at the bar. If you don't want to eat in, there's always Roberto's new online ordering system. Just go to robertosnorthampton.com and you can order, pay, and pick up dinner six nights a week. Roberto's is open every day except Tuesdays, right on Pleasant Street in downtown Northampton. And save 30% on the Shop 30 store. You love your car. We all do. It's part of our DNA. If your vehicle gets into an accident, the people to turn to are the collision experts at Fort Hill Collision Services in Amherst. Fort Hill lets you leave your concerns at the door. They'll fix your vehicle to better than factory standards and deal with your insurance company from start to finish. Fort Hill is locally owned and operated. They're part of the community, and they guarantee the work they do every time. Trust Fort Hill Collision Services, Route 9, Amherst, and online at forthillcs.com. The Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster, Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2, only on WHMP. Brought to you by Business West. The vital business news in Western Mass is in Business West. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We continue our conversation with John Berkowitz and Sarah Weinberger, members of the Northampton Reparations Committee. A couple of remedial questions that I just forgot to ask. I apologize. How many members are there of the Northampton Reparations Committee? Seven. And are, is there representation of people of color on the committee as it stands today? Uh, based on that outreach we did in the summer of 21 that I was talking about before, uh, those 25 or 30 black Northamptonians that gathered, you know, one of them stepped forward and joined us on our committee, Dr. Sarah Lynn Patterson, assistant professor of English at uh, UMass. She couldn't be here today. I'm filling in. And <laughs> I think you're doing pretty well, John. Oh, whew. thanks, Bill. <laughs> Let me ask you this. I started this conversation by asking for a bit of the history and what are the next steps. I'd like to know about next steps. What are they? Well, first of all, I'm excited to report to everybody that on this coming Tuesday, January 24th at 7 p.m., we, the Northampton Reparations Committee, is presenting a Zoom presentation on, and it's titled, Why Reparations? Why Northampton? Why Now? And we have a distinguished panel that is going to be addressing those questions, as well as the Northampton Reparations Committee talking about a little bit about our history and about making the case for reparations in Northampton and what our plans are for the future. Tell us a bit more. How do we find it? Where do we sign up? If we have to sign up and the like, please. Okay. Um, you can. You have to register for this. We are going to be having an ad that's going to be in the Daily Hampshire Gazette that will talk about this. And anybody who wants the link, any of the listeners out here that have not received the flyer, I feel like we've sent this flyer around to every other person in the Northampton area, but they can certainly contact me um, at my email address. And go ahead. This is also co-hosted by Forbes Library. Yes. That would be the easiest. Actually, thank you. <laughs> That's right. Contact them to so register. Can we, go, can we go to the Forbes Library website and, and yes. register there? Yes, it's listed, there. it's listed at the Forbes Library website along with the Zoom link for registering. So we can register there. Okay, yes. at, at uh, the Forbes Library website. Okay, great. Tuesday the 24th, 6.30 p.m. 6.30. And how long will it go on for? An hour and a half. Okay, 6.30 to 8 on when? 
Tuesday the 24th. Yes, sorry, I got the time wrong. As I, We were going to change it to 7 <laughs> no. at one point. Okay, 6.30 to 8 on the 24th. Yes. Got it. Okay. Uh, that's one thing that's happening. That's sort of a community outreach educational effort. When does the proposal go to city council? Um, the other thing we've been working on in the last almost a year is uh, – to craft a resolution which would be presented, introduced to the Northampton City Council, uh, calling on them to pass, uh, to create a commission to study the historical injustices and recommend reparative justice initiatives. That's just basically what Amherst has done and what the other cities that have done that I mentioned before. Um, So the resolution was crafted. We actually met with a number of city councilors, our own in our different wards, got their feedback. Uh, some of them are very interested, uh, and that's how we identified some that are going to ho- hopefully introduce this v- very soon. In fact, we were hoping it might have happened by now, but, you know, winter and things happen, and it's not quite. But we're hoping it'll get introduced by the next one, February 2nd City Council meeting. It will go there. Public, they will, they will uh, read the bill, the first reading. They will take public comment. We're hoping that many of our supporters will turn out, uh, as so many other issues and and public comment periods at you know at, at the uh, city council meetings. Um, there'll be two of those. Then February sixteenth, uh, if they if they schedule it that way, and I hope they will, two consecutive meetings, they could vote on it on February sixteenth uh, after a second reading and public comment, or they could wait also. And the vote will be to establish the commission to yes. study reparations, the history of oppression of African-Americans here in Northampton and to make rep- recommendations on what reparations could be or should be. Yes. And I, I just want to add that when that happens, those of those people who are listening today, if you support the idea of establishing a commission to study the history of Northampton and to make a proposal for reparations in Northampton, that you show up for the city council meeting to either talk, hopefully talk during the public comment period and lend your support or just show up um, because the more people that show up, the more we're giving city council the message that this is an important issue for our city. I don't know if you can answer this question or not or are willing to, but can you tell us who the sponsors of this resolution of the Northampton City Council will be, which councilors are involved? Or is that a state secret? <laughs> I would say it's somewhat fluid, uh, and so if I if I said th- these two or these three, it, it's still a little bit of a work in progress. Is that fair enough to say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's ne- being negotiated, as it were. You know. But what we can say is that we have a lot of support from the Northampton City Council. That everybody we've shown them the, as as you have said, John, we have shown them the resolution, and. Everyone has been in support of it that we've talked with. Okay, let me ask you this. One issue that I know has come up in these discussions in Northampton is, particularly given the uh, uh, controversy uh, last year with the Northampton Arts Council, maybe the year before, I've lost track of time with COVID, frankly, um, and the uh, issue of uh, the presence and the exploitation and the oppression of Native Americans here in Northampton and the surrounding areas. We live on land that was Native American land or was indigenous people's land. Um, I'd like to know whether there was consideration given by your committee, the Northampton Reparations Committee, to reparations for uh, indigenous people as well as African American or descendants of African Americans, descendants of, of those who were enslaved. What say you? I would start by <clears throat> start by saying we have struggled with this issue from the beginning and continue to do so because every single one of us believes that uh, Native Americans, indigenous people were harmed by genocidal, <clears throat> unjust land theft policies just like African Americans were and for as long since the beginning of 1619. Um, so yes, uh, we're in totally in, in support of uh, that they are deserving of greater justice based on historical injustice. Um, I would also say that uh, they, <clears throat> as tribes, let's, let's remember, indigenous people are nations. 
their own nations. <clears throat> Excuse me. And <clears throat> we have created treaties, binding treaties, which unfortunately our government has broken over the centuries with different nations, tribal nations. Um, but one big difference, now that I mention that, is even though these reservations are a small portions of the land that these tribes originally occupied, lived on, and, and took care of, um, they still have a, <clears throat> excuse me, a land base. That's not true of the African-American community. And the greatest example of that happened right after the Civil War, fought in order to free the slaves and abolish slavery, and yet Lincoln was assassinated. There was a policy in place to give 40 acres and a mule as an initial kind of reparations to freed slaves in South Carolina. They had had hundreds of thousands of acres and mules ready to give. In fact, it did happen in, in 1865, and then that was rescinded. And those 40 or 50,000 freed black slaves and slave people were actually, the land was taken away from them six or eight months later. They got nothing. Just fend for yourselves after slavery. So H.R. 40, 40 acres and a mule, that's the bill in Congress. We supported on the federal level all these local initiatives are really important to bubble this up from the grassroots until Congress actually passes federal reparations. Okay, tell us a bit more about the federal legislation. I know that Congressman McGovern is a proponent of it. It has been in Congress and proposed in Congress for quite a few years. It hasn't gone anywhere so far. Sarah, can you bring us up to date on the federal I, legislation? I, I will, you- but I also want to add that one of the things that we are aware of. And it isn't to say who's more deserving because Native Americans are as deserving as African Americans of reparations. But African Americans are the only group that was legally enslaved in this country. They're the people that our Constitution declared were three-fifths of a human being. They're the people who were victimized by the Fugitive Slave Act which legally required people to return slaves who had run away to the North. And the Dred Scott decision, which took away citizenship, declared that that African-Americans were not entitled to citizenship. Um, So I think all that stuff is really important to remember. With regards to H.R. 40, it was proposed first about 30 years ago. And H.R. 40, just like our resolution, only ask for a commission to study our history and to make recommendations around reparations. And yet, even though it got to the point of, for the first time it got out of committee in 2022, it never went for a vote on the floor of the House. And that is pitiful. I was struck by the parts of the documentary about Evanston, Illinois, about how contentious this was, in particular among those who supported reparations and how uh, diffuse and different and divergent the, the, the proposals and ideas were for what this should look like. Do you, would you, I'm not asking you to predict the future about a, a commission that doesn't exist yet, but do you anticipate that kind of debate and controversy over this, assuming that the Northampton City Council establishes the commission? Is there any public issue that goes smoothly, (laughs) that there aren't two sides or four or six? Uh, I can't think of any. Uh, There's always people with different divergent views. So we're we're prepared for that. And I I haven't seen that um, documentary, but I've heard about it, about Evanston. And yes, it was very contentious there. But they've they've moved ahead. They've allocated money. By the way, for housing in, in Evanston, that was the initial it, focus. Yeah, right. Not direct cash payments, but, but in it's, fact vouchers. It's fluid. I mean, one of the things I learned from watching that program the other night is that that's the beginning, um, and we don't know where it's going to go. And there are so many different forms of reparations that um, we'll have to see what happens in Northampton. Okay, so the next. The next step on this is the Zoom meeting uh, by the Reparations uh, Committee. Tell us again, please, how we can access this and when it is. Through Forbes Library. Go to the Forbes Library website or call Forbes Library if you need to. And there is a notification about this event. Again, it's called Why Reparations? 
why Northampton? Why now at 6.30 p.m.? And you need to sign up. And if you go to the Forbes Library website, you can find the link and copy that link and sign up and show up. 6.30 to 8 o'clock when? 6.30 to 8 o'clock on Tuesday, January 24th, this coming Tuesday. Sarah Weinberger, John Berkowitz, members of the Northampton Reparations Committee, thank you both so very much. Thanks, thank Bill. You. Get in on the conversation. Call 413-586-7140. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. A federal lawsuit filed by at least four Holyoke High School students alleges they experienced sexual harassment by students and staff while on school grounds and that the school's response to the incidents has been inadequate. Each of the victims was a minor at the time the abuse took place, and in some cases, the students experienced severe mental health impacts after being assaulted. Often, the assailants were able to stay in school with no charges, but one perpetrator unrelated to the school did face criminal charges. Northampton's Parking and Transportation Commission is recommending new traffic signals in front of Northampton High School. There have been 21 collisions in the area since 2017, including the death of bicyclist Charlie Braun in October 2021. Additionally, two pedestrians have been struck, including a 15-year-old student injured in November. Mayor Gina Luisera tells the Gazette the effort to improve safety of the area is an absolute priority for the city. The Deerfield Fire District and hazmat technicians from the Greenfield and South Deerfield Fire Departments responded to Pinock Road in Deerfield for a chemical mixture releasing gases. A Tier 1 hazmat response was requested when teams arrived on scene to bring in additional resources and gear. One party was transported to the hospital for observation purposes. The hazmat teams cleared the building after extensive testing. Mostly cloudy this morning, snow developing around noontime, gradually mixing with and changing over to rain from south to north. The snow will hang on, though, in northern Franklin County through the afternoon hours, a high of 36 to 40. Rain, snow mixed tonight, overnight low of 28 to 34. That mix back over to light snow for tomorrow, a high of 34 to 38. Total accumulations, 1 to 3 inches in the Northampton area, up to 6 inches in northern Franklin County. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Rochevega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. La Casa Blanca descartó el martes las críticas sobre sus divulgaciones fragmentadas sobre el descubrimiento de documentos clasificados y registros oficiales en la casa y la antigua oficina del presidente Joe Biden y dijo que podría retener información para proteger la investigación del Departamento de Justicia. Ian Sams, portavoz de la oficina del abogado de la Casa Blanca, dijo a los periodistas que la Casa Blanca estaba divulgando información que consideraba apropiada. En respuesta a las críticas por las divulgaciones fragmentarias, Sams dijo que la Casa Blanca estaba tratando de tener en cuenta el riesgo de compartir información que no está completa. El descubrimiento de los documentos en posesión de Biden complica una investigación federal sobre el expresidente Donald Trump, quien según el Departamento de Justicia, se llevó consigo cientos de registros marcados como clasificados al salir de la Casa Blanca a principios de 2021 y se resistió durante meses a las solicitudes para devolverlos al gobierno. Si bien los dos casos son diferentes ya que Biden entregó voluntariamente los documentos una vez encontrados, todavía se ha convertido en un dolor de cabeza político para un presidente que prometió una ruptura total con las operaciones de la administración Trump. En otras informaciones, la Oficina de Desarrollo Comunitario de la Ciudad de Holyoke anunció el martes que el viernes 20 de enero de 2023 publicará las solicitudes de propuestas de subsidios en bloque para el desarrollo comunitario del año fiscal 2023 para financiar actividades en la ciudad de Holyoke para beneficiar a personas de ingresos bajos y moderados o áreas de ingresos bajos y moderados. Las categorías de actividades elegibles incluyen servicios públicos, instalaciones públicas, vivienda, infraestructura y desarrollo económico. Todas las solicitudes deben presentarse antes del viernes 17 de febrero de 2023 a las 3 de la tarde, tiempo del este, y no se concederán prórrogas ni excepciones. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. This is our usual Thursday Reverend and the Rabbi segment, segments with reverends and rabbis and imams and other religious leaders from around the valley and the area. 
And today we have with us two rabbis, Ricky Kozowski, who is a rabbi at Beta Hava, and Rabbi David Seidenberg. Thank you both so very much for being with us. I'd like to, I want to talk to you both about uh, environmental issues and a religious perspective on the environment. But before we get there, I'd love to uh, follow up the conversation we were just having with John Berkowitz and Sarah Weinberger of the Northampton Reparations Committee and ask you for your view uh, as a rabbi uh, on the question of reparations. So let me start, if I might. Uh, David Seidenberg, thank you so much for being back with us. Uh, What's your view on reparations? Well, the story of Exodus shows pretty clearly that rep- reparations is a is an ancient idea and uh, the question is how to implement it practically and that's a question that I don't know as much about as I think Ricky might know so you say that reparations is is a concept uh, in, in 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 the Bible uh, something that yeah really and how does that yeah, how does a- Exodus make that clear Oh, um, when they leave Egypt, it says, they, they stripped Egypt. And the, the Midrashic understanding of that is that they were basically getting their 400 years of labor wages all at once when they took, all, you know, took the wealth from Egypt that was given to them when they left. And, and this is a biblical injunction or uh, to make reparations or a commentary on the reparations or, or just? It's part of the story of leaving in Exodus that the Egyptians had to give them essentially what we call reparations uh, when they left Egypt. Okay. Let me turn to Rabbi Ricky Kozowski from Beta Hava. What's your, what's your view, Rabbi? Thank you. Yeah. So, well, I think there is this basis in Exodus, as David was saying, about when the Israelites were leaving and they they looted and they took stuff. But, but the rabbis understood that, as as David said, as reparations. But it's spelled out even, I think, even more clearly in the Talmud, which is the Jewish law that was written, um, you know, somewhere a little under 2000 years ago. Um, to uh, to really ex- to expound on what on on the specific specifics of how how do you create justice? How do you know how much is owed you? And how and does paying for what you, what uh, was taken from you is being paid for what was taken from you? How does that does that actually um, equalize or does that create equanimity? And there's numerous places in the Talmud in different sections that actually talk about what happens if you rob someone of something. It uses examples of if you rob wood or if you um, take someone's animals like sheep, cows, um, beams used for building, uh, you know, things that you would would make into things and that you reap the benefits of without paying for it. It literally uses the word robs. And then and it says that what you have to do is you have to pay you have to pay for the robbery. And you also have to pay not just for the stolen goods, but from what came out of the stolen goods. So those those. uh, those situations are, I think, very relevant in reparations because, in in this case, we're not we're not talking about um, wood or or materials or, but we are talk we're talking about people and their labors and all that was lost generations later from having been robbed earlier and and worse than robbed, actually made into slaves. But um, but it's very clear in our tradition, in the Jewish tradition. That uh, that reparations uh, are are an essential part of justice. The other element is in Deuteronomy 15. It says that if someone serves as a slave, and in this case, slave means more like what we call indentured servitude, for six years. In the seventh year, you have to uh, the person who was the so-called master would need to give them enough money to start their lives economically completely from scratch. Uh, that included money it included uh in that time flocks and you know fields and that kind of stuff and otherwise uh, 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 i mean the given that that was happening when the slavery or the servitude was voluntary because the person sold themselves into that state and then were released after six years all the more so the reparation should be greater for something that's involuntary and forced on people. So does the uh, Bible give any sense of what 
rep- form reparations should take, uh, w- how immediate it should be, whether there's some statute of limitations in which reparations are no longer necessary. Is there further guidance on that or no? Only on the story level, not on the law level. Well, because- I would, yeah, I mean, I would, I would say that I think that not necessarily the, you know, the, uh, you know, the Bible, you know, the Torah, but if we look at the Talmud, there are cases where it talks about if you were to, if you were to rob a cow and it, and it was pregnant, you know, it's a different, it's a different level of what, um, of what you need to pay back because you're literally taking future generations. So I think that's, that's an example where, you know, it, it, it is giving us, you know, a strong clue on how to, how to relate to modern times when we're, we are talking about future generations that, that have been robbed from what happened centuries ago or decades ago or recently even. Well, we're going to have the opportunity to debate this issue in Northampton, as will the city council, <clears throat> as is ham- happening in Amherst as well. This is the Reverend and the Rabbi. Today we have two rabbis, Rabbi Ricky Kozowski and Rabbi David Seidenberg, who is an author and theologian. Rabbi Ricky, of course, is the rabbi at Beta Hava in Florence. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about environmental justice with the rabbis right after this. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. To play this game, you've got to be as sharp as a blade, as quick as a one-timer, as tough as plexiglass. Oh, and having a solid dental plan, that's probably a good idea, too. Not my teeth now. Hit the ice all season long, right here on the UMass Sports Network. 1415-1400-1240 WHMP. You want the very best opportunities for your child. Given the amount of time children spend in school each day, you want your child to be inspired, to be engaged, to love going to school. At Bement, each student experiences this every day. The Bement School in Deerfield is a close-knit community of students from around the valley and across the globe. Kindergarten through ninth grade, learning from each other in the classroom, rooting for each other on the athletic field, and celebrating each other on the stage. We are local, we are global, and our differences make us stronger. We interact face-to-face, share meals together every day, and open doors for one another. The true essence of your child's time at Bement is preparing for a life of integrity, of significance, of joy. Financial aid and transportation are available to help make a Bement school education possible. I'm Kim Laughlin, Director of Admission. Please contact me or visit our website. Bement will be the best investment you make in your child's future. Your big day is almost here. After personalizing 160 invitations, selecting custom floral arrangements, designing a drop-dead gorgeous wedding dress, and a gazillion other not-so-small details, you can rest assured that you've chosen the perfect destination. The Roosevelt Room at Union Station, one of New England's most unique wedding banquet facilities. The finest food and services available for a once-in-a-lifetime celebration, second to none. The Roosevelt Room at Union Station, downtown Northampton, You go, girl. Slice open a fresh, local watermelon. Bright pink inside. Wait, watermelon? This time of year? Watermelon radishes. Sure, it's winter, but the Atlas Farm Store has so much fresh, local produce. Basics like potatoes, onions, and butternut. Apples, carrots, beets. Plus, little adventures like daikon and celeriac root. I know, you look at celeriac or daikon and wonder what to do with them. Just buy them and try them. They don't bite. The Atlas Farm Store. Fresh local produce. Even now. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. For the first time in the history of the country and of the history of the United States, the Supreme Court has taken away a constitutional right. I would also describe this day as a day when women in the United States and people who can become pregnant have become second-class citizens. 1015-1400-1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. This is our Reverend and the Rabbi segment. 
This week we have two rabbis, Rabbi Ricky Kozowski of Beit Hava and Rabbi David Seidenberg, who is an author and theologian. He, and he teaches classes, weekly Torah study, at CBI at Abundance Farm. I, I'd like to bring our listeners into the conversation we're having during the break about the environment, because I'd like to turn from the questions of fighting for racial justice to the questions of fighting to the question of fighting for environmental justice. And I was struck by a column by John Parody in the Gazette on Friday, January 13th, in which he talks about a student of East Hampton receiving an award for environmental activism from the Mass Audubon Youth Climate uh, uh, Programs and Efforts. Uh, and I was just struck by how young people are leading the way and necessarily should be leading the way towards trying to save this earth and our environment. And I would appreciate it uh, if I could have the, your perspective, rabbis, on the fight for environmental justice and what uh, the teachings of the Bible tell us about our responsibilities of trying to preserve and being the stewards of the earth. Let me start with you, Rabbi Ricky. Sure. Um, well, I, you know, I just want to say, um, I really appreciated that article in the Gazette uh, highlighting, um, I believe his name is Ali Perot from East Hampton and the work with the uh, Youth Climate Action Now. They're having a, a festival April 23rd at the Mass Audubon uh, Arcadia Wildlife Sanctuary in East Hampton. Um, I, I'm so struck right now. My son has been applying to uh, to colleges, and I've just been learning so much about so many colleges and the incredible environmental sustainability programs and activism that happens almost on every campus. He's you know college he's looked at, which is so different from thirty some years ago when I was applying to colleges. Thirty some, it's really more than that, but. Um, uh, you know, when it was kind of still a, a new thing at that level. So I, I really just applaud that, like, the youth have inherited this problem and they're, you know, they're, they have to wrestle with it. It's foremost in their mind. Um, and it's taken the Jewish community several decades, I think, to at, at large really wake up to, like, that is also at the core in the Jewish community of what Jewish teachings are. Like, if nothing else, it's about protecting and preserving the earth so that we can live on it. So maybe David could talk a little bit about some of those teachings. Um, I would. Let, let me just insert one sentence I might from uh, John Paradis' mm -hmm. column. who wrote this, Ollie, the founder of Youth Climate Action Now, was mm -hmm. in the big city Boston to receive the Heroes Among Us Award, a very big deal. It was a big surprise, too. She had absolutely no idea she was receiving the award until the day mm -hmm. before. So congratulations to Ollie Perot. I hope mm -hmm. I am pronouncing her last name correctly. Let me turn mm -hmm. back to... Uh, Rabbi, Rabbi David. Yeah. Um, the Torah says in Genesis 2 that the purpose of the human was to serve the ground. And everything kind of flows from there. It says that if we don't uh, live in balance, that the earth's weather will turn against us. And that used to be interpreted in, te in terms of if you don't do the right rituals, God is going to turn against you. But that's not what it says. It says if you don't live in balance with the earth and listen, it doesn't say, it says if you don't listen to what's going on, then bad things are going to happen to the weather. It also says, uh, there's discussion that we've had on this show before about the word dominion and what it means for uh, human beings to have dominion. And that is not a question of, or not a, the interpretation is not something where you're supposed to lord over the earth, but rather is supposed to be a steward of it. Is that correct? What that actually means is something that could be debated for a few hours before we came to the end of the debate. But it certainly does not mean destroy. And a big problem with people's theology about the environment and how they use and abuse the Bible is that they just read Genesis 1 and don't bother reading Genesis 2 or paying attention to what it says in Genesis 2 about this. So when you put the two together, you get a very different picture than if you just use that one line from Genesis 1. So dominion can mean all kinds of things in the Hebrew, and it's unclear, but generally it might mean uh, something like 
to be able to make use of? Well, I was struck uh, by what uh, Rabbi Ricky just said and was saying to us uh, during the break about what the weather seems to be imparting to us uh, about what we are doing to the environment. Um, and, and it reminds me of this piece, again, a sentence from John Paradis' piece about uh, Ali Perot. He, he wrote, Ali's grief started when she was 11 years old, the year she became a Mass Audubon youth climate leader. All she had to do was look out her window to the fields of her family's 17-acre farm to know things weren't right in the world. Is it that obvious? And have we been abdicating our responsibility? What, what's, what say Rabbi Ricky Kozowski? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think that just speaks to it too. You know, it's like our, our kids are watching, they're in touch, they're in tune. I remember uh, several, several years ago, maybe seven years ago, 10 years ago, the kindergarten at uh, my son's school at Lander Grinspoon Academy uh, was doing a project on raising monarchs and there were no monarch eggs to be had in September in this area uh, because it was just like, and it was already a problem, you know, with the monarchs back then. And, uh, you know, young kids just, they pay attention and they notice and they hear. And, um, you know, I, I, I know a lot of youth right now that are really missing snow and that's, you know, they look forward to it. And, you know, they're very aware and we're listening to the reports about the horrible flooding that's happening in California, you know, after years of drought there. I mean, it's, it's really concerning and youth are aware of this they're factoring it into everything and um yeah i think uh i don't know it's the older generation that is acting like this is just an anomaly yeah well the anomaly it, it isn't i'd point out the uh, front page top of the fold story in the greenfield recorder today is uh sixth warmest year on record 2020 Two multiple decade warming trend continued as average state temps hit 50.3 degrees. Front page of the Daily Hampshire Gazette as well. Warming trend unabated. 2022 marks sixth warmest year on record. Uh, with this first sentence, if you felt last year was historically warm, new data from the University of Massachusetts confirms that feeling. We are making a mess of this. And I think we turn yeah. to the youth to help us survive. I'd like to thank Rabbis Ricky Kozowski and David Seidenberg for your time today, for your insights, your perspective, and your helping us understand the biblical injunctions and those from the Talmud and the Torah. Thank you both so very much. This has been the Reverend and the Rabbi. Thank you all so very much. Thank you, Bob. Bill Newman, WHMP. Are you an immigrant worried about your future? Do you want to change your life? At Center for New Americans, you can take English classes for free. They help immigrants with jobs, licenses, healthcare, as well as immigration and citizenship. CNA helps you create a better future. Visit our website at cnam.org. Call 413 Grow Food Northampton helps you make the local food system better. This is Michael Skillcorn, Director of Programs. You can join us by shopping at Northampton Tuesday Market, getting a plot at our community garden in Florence, buying a farm share at Crimson and Clover or Sawmill Herb Farm. You can volunteer with us in our giving garden or participate Live in our neighborhood markets to bring the local food and the valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. A Northampton Radio Group Station.